The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now offering a Bet the Underdog special where bettors will receive a $25 free bet for every $50 winning wager on dogs greater than plus 300. That's a free $25 on top of your winnings. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And finally, we're brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is a horse racing daily fantasy sports app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $25,000 with just one entry. Head on over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, speaking of apps, don't forget to download the SGPN app. On there is your chance to win $3,000 in the DGen Dance Contest, which you can only find on the SGPN app. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Mighty Mighty Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode number 126, a.k.a. the coronation of King Gumby. More on that in a bit, but yes, this episode is dedicated to our benevolent leader, our newly elected king. Not an, not elected, I guess. He just he just grabbed the throne, uh, King Gumby Vreeland. Um like I said, more on that in a bit after I introduce myself. I am known as the Pube Assassin. I am Jeff Fox. Thank you for <laughs> coming to the podcast. More and more on Pube Assassin later as well. Um, yeah, well, we got quite a show because uh, we had uh, to uh, to give to your ear holes this week uh, or this, this episode because we had quite a UFC event last night. Things couldn't have gone pretty much better for our picks um, or actually for the UFC as a whole. Everyone they wanted to win pretty much won. Um, it was a packed, raucous crowd. So yeah, it was a very good, uh, and it was it was good for everyone to watch the watch the event too. Um, I'm sure everyone enjoyed the fights. And if uh, from, from all the direct messages I, I've been getting, a lot of people had a very profitable nights, um, tailing along with their picks or or just having the same opinion as we did. So. Let's, let's dive right into it. Uh, like I said, this uh, I am the MC of this event, um, the coronation of Gumby Vreeland. Why are we? Why is he our king now? Um, well, let's just say he went 11 to one last night with his picks. He hit two underdogs, three underdogs. He went for no in his recommended place. He had a 10 to one parlay. Um, not much this man didn't get accomplished last night. And the one that he whiffed on, I whiffed on as well. And it was it was pretty much one of the layups, one of the gimmies of the card. And the fighter in question um, did not come out to play. So anyhow, um, let's, let's introduce him. He is the one and only uh, King Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello. I like the, I like the ring that that has. The 10 to 1 parlay, I will say, though, I almost feel – so when I, we hit it, I was like – that's awesome. It's a 10 to 1 parlay, right? Like you don't hit 10 to 1 parlays every every day or at least I don't hit them every single day. Um but like it felt too easy, did it not? Like it the It the, was only two fights. It was yeah, only it was two only fights. Two fight it was yeah. Elia Tapuria wins by knockout, which he and he won by knockout. And it was sure did. And it was uh Paul Craig doing Paul Craig things as long as Paul Craig wins by finish and those two things together somehow 10 to 1 in retrospect, Paul Craig by submission, it's just like, I can't believe people were getting like plus 300 for that or something, some ridiculous amount like that. Him by finish alone was plus 260. Um, and in retrospect, he was always going to finish somebody. Yeah, you uh, you helped talk me out of the submission prop, but that's okay. I, I still got him. It would have got him. What, what was it? So. It was like an extra plus. Like another fifty on top of the the number, it was like yeah, plus two sixty. You could have gotten like three ten or three twenty. Yeah, it wasn't huge. All right, before we get in all, into all these things, I just have a couple questions for you. Um, I only want yes or no answers from you. Correct? <laughs> okay, I, I don't want you. I don't want so long dangerous. drawn out explanations. <laughs> just yes or no answers. Uh, first question: Did one of our smart fans who likes to send us all the thousands that he wins after every event? Did he send you his picks before you recorded your podcast last week? Uh, yes or no answer. Before I recorded this podcast, 
and the Top Turtle Podcast. Not before I recorded the Top Turtle Podcast. Okay. Before this podcast, yes. Before this podcast, but not before Top Turtle or Prelim Primer. Okay. Did uh, were all your picks the exact same as this person's picks who uh, who sent you all his picks on Twitter? Yes they, or no? They were. He did try to talk me out okay. of Jack End Shore, though. He did try to talk <laughs> me out of Jack Shore, though. <laughs> I, Dan Copy, no. Smart minds uh, think alike and all that stuff. So um, crowdsourcing. He, he says he just helped you uh, with uh, helped you um, solidify some of your leans apparently, but uh, I think he just wants credit for you going eleven to one. So shout shout anyway. out to my guy. <laughs> yes, and yeah, we I, I, he wasn't the only one that was sending me winning winning. Somebody somebody night. sent me a slip. Uh, oh, um, they told me not to out him uh, because uh, they didn't want to share publicly their betting slip. Um, but somebody yep. sent me a, a betting slip in the Twitter DMs. Of the Superfan John Parlay. They tailed the Superfan oh, John nice. Parlay and yep. hit it. So uh, those – it was only uh, – at their book, it was only plus 950, though. So it wasn't a, sh- a sure Superfan John Parlay. Um, <laughs> but it was pretty damn close. Yes. Yeah, and I had someone tell me they tailed your picks, too. So, yeah, it was uh, – we're um, – yeah, me going 9-3 and three looks uh, – like I won money all around also, but I look like a total chump beside this, uh, this <laughs> king of Vreeland. I'm well, the uh, – what was what was the what? profit? Did you have another like sixty seven cent profit day? <laughs> no, 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 more than that. We'll, we'll get to it, but uh, yeah, I made profit, and um, hopefully everyone who played a win bet last night made profit too, Dan, because we're going to talk about win bet now. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Win bet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and coming soon, Louisiana. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports. Betting and casino plays, good rewards right at your fingertips. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. WinBet is now offering a Bet the Underdog special. Bettors will receive a $25 free bet for every $50 winning wager on dogs greater than plus 300. That's a free $25 bet on top of your winnings. Patrons who wager at least 500 bucks in the first and second round of the tournament, that will be the March Madness tournament. So actually, this is over now, so ignore that part, but... Um, but the underdog is, is still going as far as I know. So ignore the other part I was just about to tell you about. All right, this part, don't ignore this part. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbat.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbat is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And hopefully you're also in, speaking of March Madness and whatnot, hopefully you're also in the, the Gen Dance over on our SGPN uh, app. We're giving away 3000 bucks on that. Um, we're also giving away free hoodies and everything every day. So just make sure you go over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash merch, M-E-R-C-H madness, um, to enter the various contests and download our app, of course. All right. Um, so yesterday nights, evening, depending on what part of the world you're in, it, it was, it was nighttime at the O2 arena in London is where the festivities went down. UFC fight night, Volkov versus Aspinall, if, uh, AKA UFC London, um, it was a packed crowd. You can get the attendance, uh, get you the attendance gate over on my site at moneymma.substack.com. Make sure you go and subscribe over there. You can get payouts, everyone's payouts from last night. Um, and I will read you the attendance off of there. 70,081 people were in the O2 arena. Gate 4,500,000. What was... I read something about the gate, Dan. It being was it a record? Close to a record? Do you remember anything about that? I saw somebody write record, but I I have no idea whether or not that's verified or was from a reliable source. I think I saw it just scrolling through Twitter. Yeah, it could have just been Dana White saying. It. Let me see. Um, yeah, venue record apparently I, I think is is what they're claiming or they were expecting it to be. So yeah, very good um, return to live events in the UK for the uh, for the UFC. So much so that Dana White says they're going to rearrange the schedule once they get back stateside, and they're going to make sure they're back in the UK again before the end of the year. So they hey, they should just run every week in the UK if, if they're going to put on cards like this, and the cards going to be the way it was. So um, I just may as well quickly tell you rather than go um, tell you each pick that we got right. That's um, Let's just tell you, Dan went 11-1, like I said. Uh, 100 bucks on every fight would have won him 660 bucks last night. Almost enough to dig you out of out of the I, hole. I was just going to ask, am I back in the black? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're still down 119 bucks. So That's uh, not bad, to, though, at betting on every single no. fight. No, Dan likes to dig himself holes at the start of the year. Um, your 
your uh, winning percentage are up to 63% on the year uh, for your picks, which is very, very good. Um, as for me, I went 9-3, not too shabby. It's basically right around the percentage I've been going, about two-thirds or so. Actually, that's a bit higher than that. I won 2444 bucks for the year. I'm up 357 so I'm still I'm still winning money, which is uh, good I'm to see. Every uh, fight. <laughs> exactly. That's wild. I wonder how long I can keep this going. We'll see. Um, 67% winning percentage, so that, that's kind of how – how I'm winning money. So my return on investment is 3% there. Uh, hit a couple of dogs last night, which always helps. It, it, um, I always think of it as it, it buying you some, some losses. You, you can afford some, every underdog you get, you can afford to, to lose a few fights. So <laughs> that's my pessimistic view of it, perhaps. Um, recommended plays down by 4-0, 105 bucks. I went 3-1, 78-75. I won. So, Overall recommended plays, Dan, is 67% recommended plays, up 280 bucks, 32% return on investment. So my re- recommended plays, I am at 60%, which is a funny because it's lower than my overall record. If I just pick the same as I pick on every fight, I'd be at 67%. But nonetheless, 60%, up 119 bucks, 14% return on investment. Not too shabby. Um, normally, you know, I'd be bragging about that, but Dan's destroying me. <laughs> Correct. Just, just Correct. in that, just in that realm, because, because you're, you still got the. Uh, I mean, if you, if you put together a whole year's worth of uh, <laughs> picks on every single fight that somehow uh, remains profitable, um, which would be the first I'd ever hearing of doing it, I may have to seed my crown if that was the case. Oh boy! Uh, now in, I have some motivation. In the meantime, I'll wear my eleven and one four and zero crown. <laughs> Uh, with a hundred and five dollar return on or return on a hundred dollars yes. worth of bets is not shabby. Not shabby at all. All right. Um, maybe we should break down the event. I already did ad reads, right, Dan? You already did. Uh, yes, yeah, ad reads. Yes, right? correct, okay. correct. <laughs> <laughs> Got to remember here. I did win bet. I did. All right. Well, let's let's dive into the event. So O2 Arena, BFC Fight Night, Volkov versus Aspinall. Um, did I get the attendance out? Yeah, I did. Maybe I didn't. Um, you can get all the attendance and uh, payouts and all that stuff over at uh, moneymma.substack.com, my newsletter. So it's yeah, 70,081 people, $4.5 million gate, and we decided that was a venue record. So um, pretty dang exciting event. We had, what, nine out of 12 of the fights were finishes, and the UFC gave out a record nine bonuses. They gave out bonuses to every Every fighter that got it finished, uh, pretty pretty crazy there. They've, I'm sure. I think they've well, they've had like hundred thousand dollar bonuses that have been given out before. So these were only fifty thousand. So probably not the most money they've been given out for bonuses, but the most total bonuses they've given out ever. Yeah, and, and it's still it's nice. Like I wish they would just do this every time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about this event having like record figures, and again, you can go to the. Uh, MMA money Substack and check that out. Uh, money MMA, Dan. Damn, money it's, MMA. It's new. I, I, I'm like not going to remember. I mess up yours. That's yeah. <laughs> so you can go to the Money MMA Substack and check out the figures. But it, the, the weird thing about all of this is we're talking about it being a record event. They're making loads of money, and then they're getting patted on the back for giving out less than half a million dollars, right? Like that's, yeah, that's true. Yep. To, to nine combined people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I hope they keep doing <laughs> stuff like that, but – they definitely could be doing more. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah. Well, they uh, just don't don't tell them that because they say, well, our fighter pay went up what six hundred percent over the past. I can't remember. There's some figure that uh, that Endeavor Endeavor was um, putting out, but but they didn't mention that their profits have gone up like four thousand percent or something. Yeah, crazy or, like or, that or how about the period. fact that they have like ten times more shows than they used to have back then? So yeah. like the pay yeah, is exactly. actually increased. Yeah. It's- Next next pay is increasing. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Anyhow, uh, all you need to know is fighters who fought on the Contender Series, uh, if that was their first fight last night in London, they made ten thousand bucks a show. So, and then another, if they're lucky enough to win, another ten to win. So there you go. That no one, and the ten thousand like entry figure has been around for decades, it seems. So, Um, anyhow. uh, this isn't a, actually this sometimes is I was going to say this isn't a podcast about money and MMA but sometimes it is but literally um, let's about actually that. talk about it. <laughs> yeah um, so we lost Nathaniel Wood Vince Morales we would have hit that one because we both had Nathaniel Wood winning but um, and I'm sure he would have taken care of Morales but Morales got sick and had to step out of it so Dan would have gone twelve and one right 
I think so. Although that was one of the ones I was the least confident in. I think Vince Morales is better than people give him credit for. Yeah. You actually should have gone perfect last night. We'll we'll get into that. But, um, yeah, you you, you missed a layup. That's the thing. You would have had a perfect game, but you missed, like, a little easy layup pick that – I'm sure everyone missed it. I You're missed mixing it matching sports metaphors. There. I am. Per- perfect works, game in a layup. <laughs> yep, it works. All right. Made a, this guy pitched a perfect game last night, Tom Aspinall. Um, things couldn't have gone much better for him. Home. Uh, I'll, call, I'll call the English fighters hometown fighters because he's not actually from London. He's from where? He's from – is he Liverpool? No. I don't think he's Liverpool. He's he doesn't, from, Manchester. He's from Manchester. Manchester, of course. Anyhow, uh, he – yeah, he – I don't know if this win is going to age well or not, because we may be seeing the the decline of Alexander Volkov. But anyhow, it was uh, at this point it was the biggest win of Tom Aspinall's career, and it wasn't just that he beat um, Alexander Volkov, but it, it's how he beat him. He pretty much uh, did what he wanted, took him down, uh, had him almost had him in a Kimura, um, took him down again straight armbar, which you never see uh, in MMA. Dan is the jujitsu purple belt grappling nerd, so he, he'll uh, tell us about, I'm sure, about straight armbar. But 3:45 in, Aspinall hit the straight armbar. We hit it at minus 125, which proved to be a very, very nice number. I actually think this is going to age really well. Like, don't don't get me wrong. You think Volkov's got stuff left? I, I don't. I mean, like, look at his losses. His only losses in the last two years. And actually, we can we can stretch it longer than that. Let's go the last four years. His only losses in the last four years: Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades, Surreal Gain, and now Tom Aspinall. Like yeah. those are the only dudes he's lost to since he's gone to the UFC. Um, you know, like and and when you get to be put in a group with Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades, and Surreal Gain, I mean that's something. And and yeah, so maybe his wins aren't over the most impressive names, but he did TKO over him. Um, you know, he fought Marcin Tybura, and Marcin Tybura had no ability to take him down and do what Tom Aspinall did, and and that's kind of what Marcin Tybura is good at, right? So for the fact that Aspinall was able to do that, you know, being saying that he's a better ground specialist or better at takedowns and submissions than than Marcin Tybura doesn't make him like you know, the greatest heavyweight grappler of all time, but it does mean he's one of the most dangerous grapplers right now at heavyweight. You know, he he might be the toughest guy to be on the mat right now, not named Curtis Blades. And that's a freaking insane sentence. Yep. Yeah, his rise has been meteoric. Um, Yeah, night couldn't have have gone much better for him. Um, I don't know if if there's really much more to say about his performance. Do you want to just move... um, jump right into to where you want to head next with him, or do you have more breakdown you want to give of his I, performance last night? I don't really think so. I mean, like, I, I think we hit this pick in the, the perfect way because I said, you know, I think he can stand and trade and get, get on the inside and knock out Volkov, plus he's longer, and I said I thought the grappling was underrated. I thought he was going to land some takedowns because, I mean, if you do it to Arlovsky, you can probably do it to Volkov. Um Booking-wise, I kind of think he is a good fit for Surreal Gain. Um, if they go back to Europe, if they go back to the U.K. again this year, as Dana White is now promising they're going to do, Aspinall versus Surreal Gain at the top of that card, yeah, I'd buy that. Or even that as like a co-main event on a, a Fight Island card, because they are going back to Fight Island in October. Like, yeah, like when, when they're going back to that part of the world, grab the two Europeans and have them throw down because, you know, Surreal's kind of in no man's land. I don't think they're going to give him an interim title shot next. Uh, you know, we got a whole bunch of guys in there that we don't know if they're even going to fight again, like John Jones and Stipe and uh, Francis Ngannou. And I, I don't really want to put Aspinall with Taitui Vasa yet because, you know, those are two guys who are both super exciting and fresh to the division. So let's, uh, let's see if Aspinall gets by somebody like Surreal. Um, I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah, um, don't don't feed the up and coming guys uh, to each other, please. That's like lazy booking, which they seem to do more often than not. Um, just yeah, in the women's wanna... women's flyweight that's division. True. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, just like we, we throw the term around gatekeeper around a lot, but yeah, use use the the quote unquote gatekeepers of of these divisions for for these young people too. Well, young is relative in uh, in uh, heavyweight, but actually he's still in his twenties, isn't he, Aspinall? I think he's like twenty nine, isn't he, or something like that? 
Yeah, so he's, he's, he's only 28, that. actually. 28, born, okay, there you that go. That dude is born so. in 1993, which is an insane year. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so definitely, um, I, I like your idea. Sure, give him, uh, give him a serial game. But yeah, he's he's um, definitely one to keep an eye on. You were in early on him too, if I remember correctly. You were on his uh, on the Aspinall train early. You're, you're not a bandwagon jumper here. I think he did the Top Turtle MMA podcast before his Ooh, pro really? before his pro debut or his, uh, his UFC debut. Wow. Yeah, look at that. So amazing he ain't he ain't lost and he's got the top turtle stank on him <laughs> wow yeah imagine how good he'd be if, if he uh once he gets that stank off him so um but yeah like dan said the top of the division is a bit of a mess there's more question marks than, than there is than there is answers you don't know if the champ's gonna fight again you don't know if the former champ uh Stevie Miocic is gonna fight again uh, who knows what's going on with john jones it, yeah it, it's it's a mess so um if yeah, now they are bandying about possibly doing an interim title. Um, would you want to see Aspinall in an interim title fight at this point, or do you want to see him um, have more of a number one contender fight and someone else go for the inter- interim title at this point? You know, I I think I, I'll be honest. I actually think he's probably a better fighter than Tai Tuivasa. Um, and, yeah. and ultimately, like him versus Stipe or him versus John Jones excites me a lot more. Than Tai Tuivasa versus one of those two guys. Yeah. But I'll say this. I don't think he's going to get it ahead of Tai, mostly because Tai Tuivasa, ridiculously marketable, um, and is coming off of a knockout win over a better opponent than than Aspinall just beat. Now, Aspinall showed that he's got a really well-rounded game and can do things in a whole bunch of different ways and is like, you know, a, a freaking physical specimen. The dude is jacked. And I think he is, like, ultimately going to be a better heavyweight than Tai Tuivasa and have show less holes and be more of a threat. But I just don't think they're going to give it to him over a guy who drinks beer out of a shoe and uh, knocked out, you know, the the almighty Derek Lewis. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Tai Tuivasa and John Jones, which is a fight that if you told me six years ago is going to happen, man, would I have thought you were dumb. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it's true. No, I don't think there's any question, at least at this point, that Aspinall is, is the better fighter of the two when you're speaking of of uh, Tui, uh, Tui Vasa. Tui Vasa probably is more scary, like more knockout uh, power scariness, but he's definitely not a more well-rounded fighter at this point. So um, big up, Tom Aspinall. Hopefully uh, he keeps moving onward and upward and um, – the uh, the log jam and all the question marks at the top of the division get straightened out. So we nail that one. We nail the next one. Um, Arnold Allen, who had the performance of his career basically against the best opponent he's ever fought. We got him at a very nice minus 115 as well. Um, he really put it on Dan Hooker. Oh boy, put it on him multiple times. Finally finishing him TKO punches and elbows. I say finally, it was only two and a half minutes in, but. He had him almost finished multiple times, and Dan Hooker's just too tough for his own good. But he finally got the uh, – Arnold Allen finally got the job done. And um, once again, another guy, um, he could be stepping into a title shot. If you ask me, I would rather have him him fight next to a title than Korean Zombie or or uh, Holloway or any, anyone like that. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, he, he called out Calvin Cater, and I think that's actually yeah. a, a, probably a really good fight for him. Um, cause, cause it'll, it'll test his striking a little bit more than Dan Hooker did. Um, Max or Cater's got that huge hype behind him after beating Giga. Um, I think it was a good call and it seems to be one that Giga and his, or uh, not Giga, uh, Cater and his management are in on too. So I, I think that's going to happen, which is really exciting. I will say this and tell me if I'm wrong in, in diagnosing this Dan Hooker one, because I, I don't want to keep tooting my own horn and saying that, like, we got these picks exactly right. He looks slow, right? I'm not wrong in saying he looked slow in there. Yeah, he he got pieced up. Yeah, big and, time. And, and I don't know if that's – I don't know if it's more he came down a weight class and as a result just, like, couldn't keep up with the fact that lighter weight fighters are faster. That's just a, a fact. Um, Or if it was – you know, like him sucking down to featherweight is going to slow him down. But, he, I mean, he just didn't look like he's fast enough to compete with somebody like Arnold Allen. And granted, you know, Arnold Allen is a, a you know, probably a top three or four featherweight in the world. And 
to to say, you know, this guy can't hang with the top five. It, it's not a mean statement, but, like, this is a guy we thought for a really long time was a top five lightweight or close, damn close to it. So for him to not even be close in featherweight seems um, kind of like a slap in the face to him. Yeah, very true. Yeah, this, um, once again, this is a win that may not age well because uh, who knows where, how much Dan Hooker has left or or how uh, how much he has left at the weight class, let alone uh, in, in at the tops of the sport. I'm looking at the rankings I run over at uh, on Money MMA uh, over on Substack. Arnold Allen jumps up from this is based on performance. Uh, he jumps up from eighth to fifth now. He moves ahead of Calvin Cater, so he's right in that Calvin Cater Chan Sung Jung range. So it's probably um, a decent call out for him because he's not going to get the next title shot. He probably isn't even going to get the next next title shot because that's Probably Max Holloway, right? So he's going to have to fight at least once more, you think, before he gets a, a crack at the gold? Yeah, I actually think his best call-out probably would have been Max Holloway. Like, don't get me wrong, yeah. I think Calvin Cater's probably more attainable, and he's got some hype there. If he had called Max Holloway out and said, hey, let's just fight on the undercard of uh, that fight, like, and try to turn around in two weeks or something crazy like that, he'd have catapulted himself up. But again... He's, you know, he probably needs the time to recover. He wants a full camp, all that kind of stuff. So Calvin Cater's probably a more realistic name. And you're right. We're we're probably talking about um, needing one more fight. And, yeah, he won't be next next. But at the same time, the, the title fight's two weekends from now, right? So, or three yep. weekends from now. So, you know, by the time he gets a fight scheduled next and Max gets his title shot, they'll probably be lined up perfect. Yep. Um, I just want to see him more active than he has been in the past. So hopefully he uh, he gets a bunch of fights this year. So um, then the next fight, uh, everyone seemed impressed by Patty Kimlet. I again, I, I wasn't. Again, they did. Dan they, was. they felt that way again. <laughs> exactly. Um, lightweight Patty Pimblet, um submitted Kazula Vargas, Runa Kachok, three fifty into first round, minus 500 on Pimblet. Uh But, of course, Pimblet got pieced up and got himself in trouble before he he beat the uh, Kazula Vargas, who is, what, one and three now in the UFC, before he, he tapped him out. So Vargas is two of his five losses have come via submission now, so this is no great great win, but apparently it is in everyone else's eyes. I, I think I think we've become home uh, to uh, Paddy the Batty, Pimblet, uh, hate. So I'll say this, first of all, I'm going to give Kazula Vargas a little bit more credit than being one and three in the UFC, because one of those, he was beating the ever-loving shit out of Brock Weaver, um, and then he threw a very illegal knee and got DQ'd. Um, so like, yes, he is one in three technically, but like he was also, would have been on a two fight winning streak going into that last fight, um, with Patty if that had not happened. So, but also like, yeah, like he's keeps getting tagged on the feet in a division where there are wildly heavy hands in that division all the way up and down. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't even... Everybody's like, who can we give him in the top 15 next and shit like that? Like, even people outside of the top 15 could turn his lights clean the fuck off, right? People remember this is a division that has a guy in True Dober who's nowhere near the top 15, right? People realize that he's in the same division with, like, Jalen Turner, who is unranked. You know, like, could you imagine this dude fighting Jalen Turner? Yeah, it's he. He can't keep taking uh, eating all the punches that he's been eating. Yeah, his striking is, or at least his striking defense is, really lacking. Really, really lacking. Like, yeah, there's let's slow the roll on him uh, if he's getting tagged by guys like Kazula Vargas and uh, Luigi Vendramini. Um, Mamma Mia, uh, time to pump the race. <laughs> yeah, and uh, once again for the second episode in a row, I will remind you that Luigi Vendramini is <laughs> yeah. not Italian. <laughs> that's all right. Mario's brother's Luigi, though. So that, that's that, Mamma Mia. That's true. Um, but also, <laughs> I will say this too. Yeah, like, and I think this is important. He seems to be wanting to draw people into a firefight to to then be close enough to grapple, um, yeah. which is nice. Except for you're right, he's been tagged multiple times. And he hasn't really fought people who turn off lights yet. You know what I mean? Kazula Vargas, yep. you know, he's got knockouts in his career, but since coming to the UFC, he doesn't. You know, he hasn't knocked out anybody, you know, since he was in Kambache or wherever he was before this. So, 
Yeah, I, I think he's going to fight somebody with heavy hands. Like, he's going to fight a Terrence McKinney, and he's going to get mollywopped. Yep, it's true. Um, so, anyhow, another win for Patty Pimblet. Uh, the hype train continues, but not not in this uh, this realm. We're, we're more of a uh, Manon Fioro podcast than a Patty Pimblet podcast, well, right? Who we, who we get to talk about on Wednesday. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we're also a Manscaped podcast because spring is sprung. It definitely has here. Has spring sprung there, Dan? Yeah, I went for a Let's walk. I went for a walk outside today. Wow, I was outside too. I played basketball in my driveway today. That's how nice it is here. The snow is finally gone, but spring is also sprung. Um, in uh, we're talking about Manscaped here. Um, Actually, you don't want spring to spring to sprung in your pants. Is that is that what they're getting at here? Anyhow, I, spring <laughs> sprung, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Yes, that is what they're getting at. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the flowers this up, upcoming spring. Time to clear out the winter bush and join the other four million men who trust Manscaped. Use promo code SGP to get twenty percent off and free shipping at Manscaped. Dot com. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's blow-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing Performance Package 4.0. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, excuse me, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and travel bag to hold your goodies. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's a pub assassin. There it is. They stole my line, Dan. <laughs> my nickname. That is waterproof and equipped with an LED light, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine. This lead trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. Although your balls might look like punching bags, don't treat them like one and benefit from, benefit from their proprietary skin-safe technology. If you ever met someone who finds nose hairs attractive, we um, have found out that Dan's wife is not one of those people. Um, the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose and ear holes, so you can listen to our podcast without having damaged ear holes. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside, and this is crucial so your ball stops sticking to your leg. you also find the Crop Reviver spray-on toner for your balls. Toner, who knew we needed toner for our balls? But you do. Which will keep you smelling fresh down there, just like spring flowers. Complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. This stuff is legit and will have you smelling like royalty. Like Dan, King King Gumby. If you purchase now, you'll receive two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs and shed travel bags. Smell and feel good this spring. Here is your call to action, ladies and gentlemen. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SGP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SGP at Manscaped.com. It's time to throw your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Throw out those hygiene habits. Upgrade your life. All right. Where are we at? Uh, watch weights. Gunnar Nelson, very safe, boring win for him over Takashi Sato. 30-26, 30-26, Gunnar Nelson's back. I don't know. Is there anything else to say? We got him at minus 425. No. Uh, I feel bad for folks like who had your recommended play here for him by finish because yeah. that dude was on – he was on Takashi Sato's back for like a combined 10 minutes in that fight and somehow doesn't get the rear naked choke. So props to Sato for the rear naked choke defense. Yep. Uh, women's flyweight. I got this one wrong. Uh, Molly McCann came out like a house on fire over on Luana Carolina or Carolina. Ended up knocking her out with Chris Jericho's finishing move, the spinning back elbow, um, the Judas effect. Uh, round three, minute 52 in. Um, first round was all McCann. She was going crazy like it, they looked like they were doing a different sport the two of them uh totally different levels uh when it comes to striking at carolina uh despite the huge reach advantage uh, could not get her game going mccann was right in her her mug the whole time slowed down second round because i she probably got tired not being able to finish carolina first round and adrenaline dump fighting uh in her home country but then she finished it a minute 52 into the third round so Long way of saying I got the pick wrong. I had, uh, went to the underdog here, Carolina plus 108. I didn't didn't know Molly McCann was going to look uh, like she did, but apparently Dan did. He had her at minus 135, and maybe I won't be fading McCann any longer. We'll we'll see what her next matchup uh, brings her, though. Yeah, did you know, so to your point about her looking great in the first round, there was actually a judge who gave her a 10-8 in the first. Um, wow. Which is, is pretty incredible. Um, and it's not a name I notice, uh, which is usually good in the judging world, uh, if I don't know your name. Because um, if I do, it usually means you're freaking terrible. Um, but, yeah. yeah, his name is Clemens Werner. Um, 
who I've never I've never heard that name before in my life. Uh, but Clemens, yeah, gave her a 10-8 first. Yeah, she looked amazing. And in addition to that, I'm going to say this. I don't know if this is uh, a hot take or if, if mostly everybody's agreeing with me. So I guess I'll see your live reaction. That's the knockout of the year right now. I, I, don't think I don't think there's any doubt about that being the best knockout in all of MMA this year. It was at home, crazy environment, crazy move, vicious. The knockout was, like, very theatrical. Her, like, arms flew into the air and she, like, flopped to her back. Like, it was, dude, it was perfect in everything that you want from a knockout. Um, and then, you know, getting to, like, jump into the stands. Although the – what did you think of the title thing? Did you see her, like, prancing around? Yeah, what, what title was that? <laughs> that I think it was what? a – I'm pretty sure it was uh, some – yes, it's one – or at least one of the replicas that, like, a fan buys. So, like, when you're at – um. When you're at live UFC events, the the um like merch stand that they have sells replica belts. They're like five hundred bucks. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in like the really expensive seats bought themselves a five hundred dollar replica belt. Um and like she just grabbed it and like don't don't get me wrong, I get that she was in the moment of like this is this is UFC London, this is something she waited for. Um, you know, her, her best friend is fighting later on the card, which is a big thing too. But like, my God, it, was she on a was she on a losing streak going into that? Am I wrong? Like, she was... no, no, she won her last fight. Oh, okay, okay, but she's she was one and two in her last three going into that fight, yeah. and it was a win over Luana Carolina, who who you know, like, don't get me wrong, she's she's all right, but like, we're really gonna parade <laughs> around with a title after that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she, she got caught up in the moment, we'll, we'll say. But, yeah, she looked pretty fantastic. If she fights like that every fight, maybe she will end up with the belt. So, um, actually, no, she's at flyweight. She's yeah, not she, she, she will belt. not. Never mind. <laughs> no, she will not. She will not. Um, all right. So I whiffed on that one. Um, one. One of the few I did whiff on. And then uh, the opener, we hit Ilya Topuria, knocked out Jai Herbert with punches. Knocked him out real bad. Um, 107 into the second round. Uh, we both had right on top here at minus 475. He's going to be too small for, for lightweight, I think. But um, I guess Herbert's a big lightweight as it is. But uh, nonetheless, still undefeated. Yeah, he, he needs to be back at 45. I mean, unless he's going to fight guys like, uh, you know, he actually lost this round against Herbert. I, the first round against Herbert. All the judges uh, yeah. had him losing that. So it was pretty obvious. Um so, unless he's going to fight guys like Jai Herbert, who he can just knock out late, or guys like Patty Pimblett, who he's 850 times better than, then yes, I think he's got to move back. Like, there, there's no room for him at lightweight, especially, you know, like when you start getting to, like I said, lightweight's a division that's got guys like Jalen Turner outside of the top 15. Like, I don't like that guy's chances against Jalen Turner, who's you know, so much longer than him, or I don't like his chances against Masters Gamera or, you know, like those other guys in the fringe part of the top 15. Like, yeah, I, I just think ultimately like 45 was such a good spot for him. He should just be back at 45. Yeah. He's, he's five foot seven. So probably not, um, not the ideal height for a, uh, for a lightweight. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we hit that one too. So I went, what, Five and one on the main card. Dan, what in the perfect six and oh. Um, all right, we'll, we'll go through the prelims first. Let me tell you about who we're going to talk about now. Stable duo, how about? There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 dates a year is horse racing. Best part is now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, daily fantasy style app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $25,000 with one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear, clear data on which horses to select. To build your best strategy, the app is free to download at StableDuo.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stables today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against our stables. You can even follow them in the app, and we can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDuo.com. See how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner circle. Play, race, win at StableDuel. All right. Um, oh, yeah. Going back to the um, 
knocked out of the air, perhaps. Yeah, you don't with Molly McCann. You don't see female fighters flatland like Carolina got flatland last night. So yeah, that was was very a very impressive, rare type of knockout. Yeah, I, I think yeah, in in you don't want to just give it to her because it's the like you know you don't typically see it in women's divisions outside of like Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica I. But, like, in addition to that, it was spectacular. You know what I mean? It, it reminded me of, uh, what was it, Dong Young Kim? Nope, it's Guy yep. Hugh Lim. Was it Guy Hugh Lim or Dong Young Kim? It was in Korea against John Hathaway. Was it Dong Young Kim? Now i got to look it up. I know it was John Hathaway. Like I'm going to have an answer to that. Yeah, it was, it was John Hathaway who took the nap. I know that. Um, say bye. Uh, it was a spinning elbow that was, like, fight knockout knock of the year. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Dong Young Kim. I was there right the go. first time, Dong Young Kim, um, which was the main event on March 1st, 2014. So, of course, I'm referencing content that all of our listeners will be really familiar with. And it, <laughs> of course. But it, was a, but it was a really great knockout, is my point. Is that, like, it, it reminded me of, like, amazing knockouts prior that we instantly were talking about being knockout of the year contenders. And, yeah, like, like you said, it, it's in a women's division, which is just even more impressive. All right, moving on. This was impressive also. I, I whiffed on it. Dan got it, and he pretty much got how it would happen, too. Uh, Mahman Americani, technical submission, Anaconda choke, Mike Grundy, 57 seconds into round one. Uh, I was thinking uh, Grundy's wrestling would get the job done, um, but he got sloppy. I think Dan even said how it would happen. He, he had his head out there trying to take down Americani and got himself choked up. So I whiffed on this one. Dan got a plus 142 on Mr. Finland, who finally got back in the win column, I think he lost three or four straight before that. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I, I said specifically I thought he'd get the sub, but I just think, like, I, I thought people were sleeping on how well he scrambles. Um, he scrambles and grabs submissions from the scrambles really well. He continues to be awesome at that. And, uh, you know, not that Grundy isn't good in the grappling department, but he's mostly a wrestler, right? Like, his jiu-jitsu isn't yep. where it needs to be to, to fight somebody like Amir Khani. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say it went pretty much exactly the way I wanted it to, which was only our only two differences, right? That was, were that one and... Uh, yep. and Oh, Molly McCann. The, uh, yep. M- McCann, yep. 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 So, um, back on the winning page for Mr. Finland, uh, heavyweight Sergey Pavlovich, speaking of being back, he is back. Um... Look fantastic, uh, TKOing Shimia Abdurakhimov. Um, I think the most surprising thing about this match was uh, Abdurakhimov is uh, ranked in the top ten. That kind of <laughs> caught me off guard. Like, he, really? Oh, okay. Anyhow, um, Pavlovich, what, what do you think the ceiling is on this guy if he can stay active now? Yeah, I don't know, just because I haven't seen enough of him. In like, God, his wins are over guys who, like, grapple. You know what I mean? Like, he, yep. he beat Maurice Green and Marcelo Gome before this, who are, you know, kind of just big grapply types who, who ate shots, and those were both three years ago at this point almost, or at least the the first one was three years ago, and the second one was, you know, two and a half years ago. And Dirk Himov, you know, like you said, he's on a huge losing streak and hasn't looked good as of late, but, you know, does have wins over Marcin Dybura and Andre Arlovsky, and actually looked surprisingly good against Derek Lewis in their headliner, which you might not remember five years ago or six years ago. Um, but, yeah, like, it looks like he's now been knocked out three times in a row in the first two rounds of every fight. So, yeah, I don't know how to gauge where Pavlovich is, but, like, we need to see him fight more often for him to be a contender. So hopefully he does that. After Rakimov's last win was April of 2019, he was still in the top ten in the rankings. Is that correct? Yeah, but that I think right to you. <laughs> but I, I think and I have him way further down in the rankings. I think I still had him in the rankings, but I did have him way further down in the rankings. Um but like you see he's got a TK over Marcin Tibera, who's a top ten heavyweight right now. Um he's yeah. got a win over Andre Arlovsky, who if he's not number fifteen, he's probably number sixteen. Um I'm not looking at the rankings right now. And then like he's got a win over Walt Harris, who is still ranked, I think. Um, so like, he's got a bunch of wins over ranked dudes and like you said, he hasn't won in three years, but the losses are to Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins. Um, and now Sergey Pavlovich, which that one's going to hurt a little bit more, but losses to Blades and Dawkins certainly, um, don't, don't completely knock you out there. No, I guess not. All right. Um, 
Oh, here we go. Paul Craig. <laughs> mission. Wow. Triangle Choke Submission. Nik- Nikita Krylov, 357 to the first round. After getting himself battered on the ground, he that was one of the fastest triangles <laughs> I ever saw. We got him at plus 150. Yeah, and you got him at plus 260 uh, inside the distance right? Yes. on the recommended. Yes. So, so let's make sure we pat ourselves on the back there. I will also say this. This one is the one that... <laughs> Maybe I don't, I'm not the mo- most proud about the analysis that I put out on Wednesday, but I am. This is the one that was the most correct. Is like Nikita Krylov continues to make really dumb moves on the mat, like just once every single fight. And against Paul Craig, you can't make one. That I know I said something to, almost to that exact effect on Wednesday, and to see it happen, it was just perfect. You were like. Oh, his hand is too far back. Whoop, triangle. Um, And it was just everything that you've ever wanted in a Paul Craig fight, he gave it to you uh, live from the UK, which makes it, I don't know, somehow even better. So um, getting to see him in Europe doing his thing, uh, absolutely loved it. He's got to start getting some more respect. My rankings, he already was, like, I think – Fifth, or he is fifth now. He's won what? Uh, won five straight fights, six of seven. What um, was he? What was his his official UFC ranking going into that uh, fight? Around, I had him at twelfth. I don't know how long ago that was, but he was lower. I, I'm guessing like the lower end, between twelve and fifteen. So all right, let's see what let's see what the UFC had about. Hang on, let's start moving him up, Dan. So the UFC had him at eleven officially um, okay. going into this fight. I would tell you that I already had him ranked higher than that. He was ninth on my list. Um, but this should move him up. Also, remember, fun fact, win over Magomed Ankyalev. Um There you go. Yeah, like, put some respect on the dude's name. <laughs> so, title shot next for Paul Craig, then, right? I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm more ready yeah, for yeah. that. I'm more ready for a title shot for Paul Craig than I am for... Title shot for Magomed Ankyalev. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Who uh, who would you like to see him fight next, Paul Craig? I'd like to see him fight somebody like uh, like Dominic Reyes, um, somebody who's on the way down. You know what I mean? Like, And I don't mean yes. to say that meanly about uh, Dominic Reyes, but like this division, unfortunately, has a whole bunch of people right around the 10 to 20 range who are all um, like guys on the way up who haven't had their shots yet, and the like five to 10 range um, is all filled with guys who are seemingly kind of on their way down and uh, need to be switched out for some of those lower people, right? Like, you know, no offense to Tiago Santos, but Tiago Santos, um, Dominic Reyes, to an extent, Anthony Smith, although he keeps turning guys away. So, you know, he's three straight wins. Yeah. He's just keeping his spot in there anyway, but you know what I mean? Like those guys who've had their chances, those are the people who we need to see the Paul Craig's and the Jamal Hills up against, right? It's because like yep. that will help answer their questions uh, about whether or not they actually belong there. Um, and hey, you know, like, some of those guys might be weird stylistic matchups for them. You know, I I think Anthony Smith probably is like the most fun name to think about right now because he is on a win streak, but also it would be a fresh blood versus a guy who's been there kind of deal. And the grappling would probably be so much fun. Yep. So we got that plus money. We got Jack Shore at plus money, which we, which what we thought was a, a steal heading into it, and it was. We had him at plus one hundred five. Um, he one of the rare decision fights last night uh, of the three that were decision twenty nine twenty eight twenty nine twenty eight twenty nine twenty seven over Timur Valiev. Um, he had Valiev in trouble. Well, he he would have had a normal man in trouble, um, but Valiev just kept on ticking. Um, Jack Shore. Uh, I've heard other people say it too. It reminds me of a, of a GSP, just the way he has all. He basically has has no real holes. He, he's good at everything, um, and he hasn't been a finisher lately too, which was kind of GSP at the end of his career there. So um, onwards and upwards for Josh Shore. Uh, we'd like to see him finish some people. Um, it would probably get him more respect and get him higher in the rankings, but um, it's probably the biggest win of his career up to the state. Yeah, and he looked great. I, I was just say he looked great on the feet. And as another uh, pat on the back to us here, um, both of us said on the show that we didn't think Timur Valiev would be able to keep his pace for three rounds, and he would tire and look shitty towards the uh, second and end of the third. Um, and he did exactly that. He just looked 
like he was starting to get the crap beat out of him more and more as the second round progressed. We got a cr- the crap beat out of us in the next fight. Somehow it was a split decision. Um, <laughs> McKenna, yeah, this this was the only uh, thing that we can complain about, the the judging. Corey McKenna, one judge gave her three rounds to none. Um, every other judge gave Elise Reed two rounds to one in this fight. McKenna did not look good. Reed is not a world beater. Um, McKenna could not get it going against her, um, striking or, or grappling, uh, or enough grappling, uh, for that matter. She, she got her down a few times, but couldn't do much with it. And she was just getting pieced up on the feet in the striking department. Um, what do we chalk this one up as, Dan? So I will agree with you, not a world beater on Elise Reed, but I think she is way better than we gave her credit for. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She looks, first of all, so I'd seen her a bunch of times on the regional scene. She she looks way better than she used to look back then. Um, and then obviously on her UFC debut, she didn't look good either, right? Um, she lost that uh, short notice replacement fight up a weight class to Sajara Eubanks coming down a weight class. And I think mentally I was just like, oh, she can be grappled. But, like, her defensive grappling looked really good. Her boxing looked really sharp. Like, I was really impressed with how her boxing looked. Um, you know, like the, I, I would say the, the 30-27 scorecard for McKenna was beyond egregious. I did see some people had 29-28 McKenna, which is, I, I don't think, as, obviously not as egregious, because there's no way uh, she won all three rounds. But I, I think maybe she could have won two rounds. But I, I definitely scored it for Reed. I, I, that's having picked McKenna. So, um, yeah, like, I think maybe we just underestimated how good Elise Reed could look in her own division against somebody a little bit closer to her size and skill level. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you, how you pick, um, McKenna winning that fight. Cause she, she got pieced up clearly did not win it. So that was the one that, that Dan whiffed on his long whiff. And then, um, Mohammed Mokayev, um, probably got overshadowed with, with the rest of, uh, the fights that happened after his, but he made a, a triumphant um, debut into the UFC, submitting uh, guillotine choke, Cody Durden, 58 seconds into the fight. And I had forgotten that Durden was that dirty, filthy racist. So it's good that he got guillotine choked 58 seconds into the first round by uh, Mohamed Mokhaev. Um Yeah, Mokhaev lived up to his hype. I know it was only 58 seconds that we've seen him in the UFC, but he looks like he's going to be a problem at, at flyweight. Yeah, well, he looks like he's going to be a problem because it wasn't just the wrestling that is kind of what he was heralded as. as. And, and I think I said right. on the show, too, like, the dude strikes better than people giving him credit for. Uh, and do, do you want to do you want to take a minute to feel really old? Do you know this dude? Yeah. This dude was born in 2000. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was done university by then. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. that's insane, man. <laughs> that's, um, and oh, I mean, like, he looks like he's got everything already. You know what I mean? Like, he looks yep. like he's got the wrestling, he's got the submissions. I'm not even sure what that submission was, because it didn't really look like he was in on the neck. It looked like maybe he was trying to twist Durden's head clean off, and he... Might have been about to, uh, but yeah, regardless, flying knee was sick. Latching up on whatever he grabbed was great, and uh, good to see him both win and get a bonus. Because on that night, too, it would have been such a shame to see that dude walk out without a bonus because they gave him the, like, you know, Topuria and McCann and Aspinall and, like, Craig or something like that. If they didn't go deep bonus, like, it would have been a shame if he got locked out. Yep. So he is it safe to say he sent Cody Durden back to where he came from? Did you see, did you see that it's America? Did you see that quote? No, <laughs> so I he, didn't. What? He said, um, I can't remember if it was in the post fight or not because I just saw a graphic with it because I was watching um the first couple of fights with no sound uh for my kids, um, but there was a quote from him either backstage or in the cage where he said, "You might want to stop by the embassy; they might be able to help you back to your home country or something like." So it was like the very. Very polite way of saying exactly what Durden said, um, yeah. which was just, oh, chef's kiss, perfect. Yes, <laughs> and it was it was pretty much a perfect night all around. So that that concludes UFC London, aka UFC Fight Night Volkov versus Aspinall. Hopefully, well, I was going to say hopefully you don't expect us to be this good every event, but maybe we will be going forward. Uh, I. Nine and three isn't crazy for me, um, and maybe Dan's going to be an eleven and one guy going forward. So, 
Who's to say? I will tell you what's coming up next first and lastly. Let me tell you about PropSwap. We're brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. March Madness is here, and PropSwap is your place to cash in on the big dance. Every season, PropSwappers make thousands of dollars by simply buying and selling college basketball teams. You can always find the best odds on PropSwap because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself, such as Zach from California, who purchased a Tennessee championship ticket on PropSwap at 40-1 to odds, while the sportsbooks are only offering 25-1 to odds. Now's the time to find those Cinderella's while the odds are high and cash out on PropSwap when the tourney starts. Awesome tourney continues. Cinderella stories happen every year, so don't miss your shot. Hurry and download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash, and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit, and PropSwap will match your deposit up to 500 bucks. Join the Real Sports Betters on PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, the UFC moves on uh, to Columbus, Ohio now for another fight night. Um, I guess we can't expect it to be as exciting as this past weekend's, but it's a very good uh, card on paper. Nonetheless, UFC fight night, Blades versus Dawkins, a.k.a. UFC Columbus. Um, so Dawkins, Chris Dawkins, that would be, he's coming off a loss to Derek Lewis. Um, which kind of stopped his charge to the top of the division. Um, but Tom Asp- Aspinall is is taking on himself now. Um, Curtis Blades last fight last September he beat Jorginho Rosenstrike. Before that he was knocked out by Derek Lewis. So basically that's what these two have in common. Derek Lewis is the one one person who who has stopped their ascent. So that, that's the top fight. We got Joanne Calder Woodwood against Alexa Grasso. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to uh, the most, Askar Askarov versus Kai Kara France, which should be a number one contender fight at flyweight. We got a fun Matt Brown versus Brian Bam Bam Barbarina fight, which is being rescheduled and it's happening now. We have a wacky heavyweight Iller Latifi versus Alexi Olianik fight. We got um, podcast favorite Manon Fioro fighting against former title challenger Jennifer Maya. And just... I, I was just going to name the fights that are interesting, but all of these fights are interesting. We got Neil Magny versus Max Griffin, which should be fun. Also, Mark D. Casey versus Slava Claus, which is also a very good matchup. Sarah McMahon returns against Carrosa. Chris Gutierrez versus Dana Batgarel. Matias Nicolau versus David Dvorak. And Luis Saldana versus Bruno Souza. Quite an event on paper. Yeah, it, and it, maybe, it is insane. Like, that, yeah. that, you know, you mentioned all of those fights. There is, in every single one of those fights, with the exception of maybe Saldana versus Bruno Souza, somebody who has been in the top 15 or very could be soon. Um, you know, like, the the one that's maybe the least uh, close to being in the top 15 is Chris Gutierrez and, and Dana Bacquerel. And Bacquerel is on a three-fight winning streak with three first-round knockouts, and Chris Gutierrez ain't lost in six fights. Um, yep. And that's the one where the guys are the farthest from the rankings, which is pretty nuts, with the exception of, like I said, Saldana versus Bruno Siza, who are a couple of new guys with, um, you know, 500 or below records. And actually, I think we have another fight here uh, with names that are impossible to pronounce. Alias Hobb. Aliaxab Kizria. Aliaxab Kizria versus Dennis. How do you say that last name, Dan? Uh, Tui Lui Lin. Hang on. I, I, Lui I'm Lin. not looking yeah, at it right now, but I'm pretty sure it's Tui Lui Lin. Yes, Tui Lui. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Tui Lui Lin. I don't yeah, know so very much about that guy because he came in super late notice on this fight. Yep. Anyhow, this is a pretty darn good fight card um, that we're going to be breaking down. That will be on Wednesday. Um, we'll try to um, keep the good times rolling here and, and pick some more winners. Um Anything else we need to touch on, Dan? Any anything ex- else exciting happened that I've forgotten? Um, you you missed. I'm just gonna throw this one out there. That it may not right. be interesting to our listeners at all, but it was really interesting to me. As a matter of fact, it maybe made my Twitter feed more than uh, the fights uh, in London. Uh, e. Casey Layden, uh, yes, the, the famous um, writer for MMA Fighting, or at least he. Does he still fight? He's still photographer, fighting. I think, videographer. Yeah, yeah, he still does a bunch of stuff for MMA fighting. Uh, husband Esther Lynn, uh, at forty years old, took an amateur MMA fight and dominated it. I was watching it live on. Uh, I was watching it live on Mark Ramondi's, uh 
Instagram account because he like live streamed it off of his phone on Instagram, and uh, it had there were like 800 people watching it live, including uh, Ariel Hawani was on it watching live, along with like Chris Cyborg was in there watching live. I was like, this is somehow he got 800 people to watch a, a 40 year old dude make his amateur debut. But, like, hats off to the dude. That was so freaking cool. UFC next, perhaps, right, Dan? I mean, he probably could have beaten CM Punk. <laughs> uh, Dana Wade, actually, Dana Wade probably hates him because he's, he was part of Ariel's crew. So um, he's probably blackballed. So maybe that dream will not happen. So. I, I don't think he ever plans on fighting again. But, like, what a cool thing for him to have done just for, like, the perspective. And even at that age. Yep. There you go. That, that, that'll put a bow on, on things. We'll, we'll end on a uplifting note there so follow us on twitter send us your winning uh winning bats uh like everyone has um my yeah my dms were blowing up last night with uh with everyone sending me their winnings so i'm at jeff fox writer he is at gumby reeland or hit us up in the slack the sgpn slack channel is also always jumping especially on fight night um so you can download that and talk to us there and Read my stuff at moneymma.substack.com um, or, of course, at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Um, and we'll plug Dan's podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, Prelim Primer Podcast. We'll, we'll talk more about them on Wednesday. So until then, let's take, you can take us home, Dan. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is oh no, you're king. You're king. Oh, king I'm Gumby Freeland. I'm king, Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's the pubis assassin, Jeff Fox. <laughs> we will catch you on Wednesday.